John McAfee told us that those who are looking at cryptos as an investment only are missing out on the promise of blockchain, and we tend to agree. And so does Marco Robinson, the founder of Big Love, the first charity on blockchain. You'll get to meet him today. The United States Congress has some surprising statements about cryptocurrencies. Asia continues to lead the way when it comes to tokens, but Google says no more crypto-related ads. I'm in a 60s kind of mood, so welcome to the I Saw Her on a Monday and My Heart Stood Still, a Do Run Run, episode number 103 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, Who's bad? I don't know what it is with the 60s vibe I got going on, Mr. Travis Wright. And in, if I know you, you won't sing along. Well, it depends on the song, Mr. Jocom. Sometimes I will sing along. Sometimes I will not sing along. How am I supposed to know? You just have to try. No, I'm going to stop singing. And then the citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia will be like, oh, no more songs because Travis sucks. You know, is that what you want? Yeah. Is that what you want? Travis, tra- well, you know what? We're a hundred. We're a hundred plus deep into this thing now, and you know they know trouble. Travis can be trouble sometimes, and that's just they've just come to accept Travis for his true self. Travis now talks in third person. So, <laughs> Travis uh, is getting upset. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is going to ask a question. We Travis are. Live on the podcast. Oh, we're so bad. It's ridiculous. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Glad you guys are here. And uh, as always, this episode is, uh, we'll post a link to it in the Bad Crypto Mastermind. And we would love for you to tell us what stands out. Uh, if there's a quote that's either, you know, serious, uh, profound, or silly, then go ahead and share as a comment in the Mastermind your favorite quote. And if we selectify it, to use on a, a social media graphic, then we'll put your name there. And so we're going to make you famous, kid. This episode is all about the love. It is. It's about the all big about love, love, which reminds me of a Fleetwood Mac song, but then you probably wouldn't sing along. So let's just get to the feature. Lots of stuff happening on the blockchain, Mr. Travis Wright, and many companies are seeking to bring real-world solutions to real-world problems. But I think in this segment, we're about to speak with a, a man who is bringing charity to the blockchain, using technology to uh, to do something that we've not seen anybody else really do yet. Uh, his name is Marco Robinson, and he's the founder of Big Love dot technology and love is spelled l-u-v in this case because in the era of uh the internet we don't know how to spell anything and that's just that's <laughs> how it is welcome marco how are you i'm doing good guys thanks for having me on your show uh, travis didn't you guys meet on the cruise isn't that right yes marco and i had a chance to uh, to meet on the cruise he had a great presentation there and uh, he was talking about what big love was going to be doing and uh so, you know, Marco has a really interesting story, and he also has a, a, a he's done a TV show in the UK on Channel 4, which is, uh, what was it, give, give, a, give a House, Get a House for Free, right, Marco? That's correct. Yeah, and uh, so you've given away, you've given away some homes, and, and, and what, what, you know, what was the catalyst for that? What, what made you, you know, decide 
that this would be, uh, you know, the, the thing that, that, that kind of pulled your heartstrings? What, what, what's your backstory on that? Well, my backstory is that when I was two years old, my mom left my dad. My dad was a gambler. He ran up debts all over town, so she had no choice other than to leave him. And then she went to live with her mum and her stepfather, but her stepfather actually sexually abused her. But he'd, he'd actually sexually abused her when she, before when she lived there as a child. In fact, he said to her when she was 14, I didn't marry your mum for your mum. I married your mum to get to you. So if you can imagine, if you're a 14-year-old wow. girl, that's a pretty terrifying thing to hear. That's horrible. Wow. But she only told me this last year before the TV mm. show came out. I had no idea this, this was going on. Because, of course, in that generation, you keep it hush-hush and people don't talk about it. So it was very brave of her to go back. And actually, he said to her, her stepfather said, it's either her or me. And my grandma said, well, sorry, sorry, guys, you're going to have to leave. So we had to sleep in the park that night in minus five. We stayed in the park a few nights, um, nearly died. And then we, a friend took us in. And, and I moved with my mum to about 30 different places before I was 10 years old. So as I was, I was always, the, I was always the new guy in school. Always got bullied, you know. Always was shy. Always was kind of introvert because there was a lot of stuff going on that I had to deal with as a kid, which no kid should have to deal with because, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't know where you're going to live in the in the next week, it's pretty horrific. So what happened is eventually I hated school anyway. School wasn't really relevant because I had more important things to think about. So when I was twelve, I got my first job. I had four jobs when I was fourteen to support my mum. And uh, by the time I was 14, I left school. I went into sales and eventually, to cut a long story short, I made a lot of money in real estate, became a multimillionaire, bought her a house, got her out of trouble, so she didn't have to worry about work ever again. And then uh, Channel 4 heard about my story because my story was publicized all over the country, a kind of a victim to hero story. Mm. So they asked, Channel 4 asked me, would I like to give a house away on TV to address the social housing issue? Because it was a massive issue, um, not just in the England, but all over the world. People cannot afford to deposit to buy a house. They can't pay the mortgage. It's really difficult to get a mortgage. So I said, I would love to do that. Now, Channel 4 asked a lot of people, a lot of millionaires to do it, but they wouldn't do it because, you know, they would only give like six months rent away but and stuff like that, which I was pretty dis disappointed about. So I said I would love to do it, and I recorded the show. Did the show last August. It, it, it aired to 10 million people. It went viral to 50 countries. And I, I literally get 2,000 messages a day in my Facebook inbox for people wanting a free house. <laughs> so wow. It, it went viral that way, right? So, But my question was, on that show, I gave three houses away for free and paid the mortgage off. I gave away a house to a... A young lady who was 19 who was sexually abused by five stepfathers had rain coming through the, the roof. I gave away a house to a Syrian asylum-seeking family who paid $20,000 to a um, human trafficker to, uh, to get them out of Syria in the ship container, but they didn't know where they were going to be. And they ended up in the UK on £30 a week for 10 years. And when I met them, they were living under a bridge and I gave them a house. And then there was a blind lady that was working for the emergency services like 911 totally blind, uh, working seven days a week, couldn't afford the deposit for a house, was in a real state. So I gave three houses away. And when I finished the show, it was an amazing thing to do because it was very emotional. And I cried a lot when I gave the houses away because it was something I, I was able to give that I didn't have myself. And well, the underlying thought was, how could I actually help more people? And I, I thought and thought for about a good nine months about how to do this. And I thought, really, the only way to do this is to create a 
blockchain charity where you, you can actually securitize the funds getting to the recipient. Because as you know and I know, when you give money to charity, you don't know where it goes. 90% is wasted in an organization paying people that don't really need it. And if you look at the, the recent cases of Oxfam and uh, UNICEF, you'll understand what I'm saying. Uh, did you hear about Oxfam? T tell us what happened. So uh, they found it in, in two weeks ago, Oxfam was discovered. They went to Haiti to help the earthquake victims, but they found out that they used the donations for the earthquake victims to rent prostitutes. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so the, the help went somewhere, but not the right people. So uh, the UK government stopped funding Oxfam and uh, there was a big scandal. And then the head of uh, UNICEF admitted to sexually abusing all the staff and he used to be head of Save the Children. So there's been a lot of scandal and gossip, but basically charity has been the most abused industry in the world ever because, of course, people take advantage of people's good nature. And when you yeah. do give charity, you really do it out of guilty guilt because you feel, I better do something for charity this year. So Big Love is amazing because it's, it's built on something called conditional altruism, which means we, we give to people, but you have to help someone when we help you. Does that make sense? Yeah. How, how does that work? Explain that. Well, that works that in the sense, if you look at uh, homelessness, there, there are a staggering 1.6 billion people not in adequate housing. And there's millions of children sleeping rough and dying. I'm starving every day. So the way it works is that is we KYC the homeless because they don't have ID. Most of them don't, don't have ID. We drug test them. We personality test them. We, we, we find a ways to help them that way. And then we, we, you know, with you, with our technology, you can send them a meal, you can send them food, you can send them clothes, you can send them a room night. Now, I have a lot of restaurants, and thirty five percent of food in every restaurant is wasted every day, it's thrown out. So I have an infrastructure of restaurants that feed the homeless already. So we've got that infrastructure right now. And then what you can do once the, once they're rehabilitated, you can actually microfinance a home for homeless people. And, you know, we can build a house for like $5,000 and get six people off the street pretty quickly, which is pretty fantastic. I think you'd agree with that because we can actually print a house. A three, we can use a 3D printer to print a house and get them off the street pretty quickly. Once we've got them a house, then we can microfinance a, a small business for them. So it becomes a credit marketplace. So therefore, the donator can take a profit share of the transformation of the person that you're actually helping. Unbelievable. You're lifting them up with some big love. This is great. It's all about big love, yeah. This this just, you know, brings to mind uh, you know, the work that Ronnie Moass, who's a friend of the show, been on a few times. He's uh he's big about raising money for food for the poor. And but that's all like coming through regular donations, you know, via PayPal and that type of thing. So how do we blockchain this thing and you know what how do we tokenize it? Well, that's what I've done. I've blockchained it by making sure that we, first of all, KYC the homeless. Most homeless people don't, don't have any ID whatsoever. So the most important thing is to, is to get their IDs and KYC them. Once you've got them on a blockchain, then we can send things to them like meals securely, and we know they're going to get it. We can track where that meal is going to be collected from at a, at a restaurant. For example, we can track who's going to collect it. And we can track who's fed and they, they can kind of like sign into the app that they've been fed and you've helped them and that kind of stuff. So the blockchain securitizes the donation to make sure it's received 100% in the right way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I'm curious about how, like, do they go to a certain place to go get their meal or 
Like, is there's is like a, a facility where those donations are giving out on a daily basis? How how is that kept track? It's, of? it's a decentralized blockchain, guys. So we have rest, we have thousands of restaurants and outlets that give food away to people that are KYC'd in in the Big Love Network. So we have volunteers that collect their KYCs, which means that they they can actually qualify to collect, you know, to eat and get blankets and stuff like that. That's that's a big deal. So that's on the blockchain, and then. People can visually see um, the people, you know, getting the meal. They can visually see them transforming. They can see them, um, you know, passing their drugs test, passing their rehabilitation test. And then people can feel more comfortable about kind of microfinancing a home for people. Because if you've not got a home, pretty much, guys, you can't do really much because you're worrying about next day where you're going to live. Yeah, that's why people can't work because they don't know where the hell they're going to live the next day. And that's that's what that's what the blockchain really does for this for this charity. This is an un, you know unusual because it's not being done a lot, but it makes sense to me. So you're going to do an ICO around this. Yeah. Explain how that's going to work, and you know what the token is, and and uh, how people play. Okay, so the the pre ICO it's actually a private sale right now. It's just launched. It's going to be a pre ICO. Pre-ICO is a $25,000 buy and you get 300,000 tokens for about nine cents. It's going to ICO. The pre-ICO then is going to be um, 25 cents to buy in. And then the ICO will be 50 cents. So it will list at the end of May on the exchanges as a tradable token. And then people can trade the token, but they can use the token more importantly to help the people that really need it. Hmm. So you can send the token on your app on your phone to for example a a token can buy a meal it can buy a room night it can buy a blanket you can help people out in emergencies by sending a doctor uh, by sending stuff they really need in terms of emergency things but also you can also get into a rehabilitation place where you can actually microfinance a home microfinance a business for example you can you know you can microfinance a coffee shop on wheels to get people off the street and start making money so it's, it, it turns into a credit marketplace and, you know, the, dono- the donator has a profit share of the person's business that they're actually helping finance. How far along is your technology on this? Because it's, and the reason I asked that previous question about like, where do they go to go request the stuff is because, you know, these homeless, most of these homeless folks, they're not going to have a smartphone. They're not going to be able to have an app um, yeah. to, to know where to go. And so there has to be some centralized place where they know to go. And so maybe address that. And then, you know, how far along is your technology currently? Well, the technology is that we have um, ATM machines that they can register their ID on and get a meal straight away. So we're, we're about to distribute those ATM machines globally. And we have, we have investors ready to buy them. So that's part of the technology. In terms of smartphones, we've got phone companies interested in donating smartphones to the homeless once they have ID particularly for this program. You know, uh, recently on an episode, we had John McAfee and, and uh, it, was, it was quite a quite a talk we had there. And, and John kind of chided the community at large for looking at crypto purely as an investment and how do I make money and for not using the, the tokens that they have. He says we have to use it. And so this seems to me like Big Love is designed to be used. It's total user adoption because – you know, giving back, giving someone a, a life is the most fulfilling thing you can ever do. It's better than marriage. It's better than divorce. It's better than childbirth. I can tell you that. 
because I've been through all of them many times. <laughs> so what I'm saying is it is fulfilling on an emotional and spiritual level. So therefore, you are going to be very compelled to help people. That's the difference with this. It's a very spiritual thing, but it's also a very compelling thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where where can people learn more about uh, Big Love, and where is your where are you growing the community around your your platform? Well, we have BigLove dot technology. That's the website, and we also have Big Love Advisors. So we have people coming in that are, are, are investing a hundred thousand US dollars. They're getting a million tokens. But they're taking part by becoming part of a tribe in a local community. So we have local communities for Big Love where we have specialists in people building properties. We have specialists in people rehabilitating people. So we have specialists and Big Love advisors. We've actually got 20 people already as Big Love advisors that have invested 100K. And we've had two meetings already to develop uh, globally the areas. But we start with local communities. So we start with one local community and we, we get the infrastructure right there and then we move on to the next community with Big Love. Because with any community, as you know, you need different specialists to help people. Another part of the, the deal here is that local businesses are not helping the local community. For example, McDonald's just came out with a policy that they will not help the homeless and give them food or have anyone buy food for the homeless on the street outside McDonald's. Mm, I'm not loving it. I'm not loving it at all. That's not a happy meal, is it? No. No. So what we're going to do is we're going to do, a, we're do a, a business rating system, a bit like TripAdvisor, but for businesses helping the homeless in the community. So we'll have Big Love um, um, rate, rating uh, business rater where we put a Big Love sticker on the window and they come on the website of what they've actually done to help the homeless in that town. So it brings the local communities together to really help the people on the street get out of the trouble they're in now. And it gets the businesses to help more to put part of their profit into helping the homeless that really need the help. We're kind of forcing the businesses to do that. Because if you think about two coffee shops, one's got a big love sticker on the window, like we've helped 100 people get off the street this month. You've got a coffee shop next door that haven't helped anybody. Which coffee shop are you going to wear? Subscribe to. Yeah, of course. It just it boggles my mind that there are some municipalities that are making regulation against helping homeless, and and even more so, it's crazy that there are restaurants that are afraid. You know, they they throw away the food rather than hand it out because they're afraid of getting sued in in our litigation happy society. It's just it's immoral. You no, know, it's it's gone crazy, guys. It's just gone. It's gone too politically correct. So Big Love kind of addresses those issues and it makes people responsible for helping people that really need help. They can't help themselves. And, you know, blockchain has really, really been the, the linchpin for the whole thing because I have a lot of businesses now that really want to help and already already are involved. And I own restaurants. 40% of the food is wasted every day. So I have... Restaurants that are well, that are now giving food to the homeless, that are part of Big Love, that are KYC'd in a very, very smooth and happy way. And I think, you know, a lot of restaurants are unhappy because, yes, food is wasted, but they, also, they don't want to get in trouble with the local kind of local authorities. But the local authorities are, are now getting involved in this because they're realizing that, hang on, this is a problem that 
it's actually costing them more money as a local authority having homeless than not having homeless, if you know what I mean. That's amazing stuff. Yeah, so is there anything else, uh, Marco, that uh, you would like our Bad Crypto audience to to know about the Big Love Project? Well, I'd just love you to get involved. I mean, um, you know, philanthropy and giving back is is the ultimate uh, expression of hu- your as a human being, you know. So conditional altruism is a pay it forward. You, you help someone, they help someone, they help someone else. And this could be someone you know, this could be someone, this could be your family, for God's sake. What it does, it brings it brings uh, an element. It brings a total element of confidence that your money that you're spending is getting to the right people and is helping. And you can actually witness the progression of the people you're helping. Imagine watching someone off the street getting a house, getting a business, turning a life around, and then those people helping someone else do the same. How is that in terms of? you know, a life-changing event for you. There's a book that I read um, a few years ago that I'm going to recommend to people. It's called Under the Overpass. Uh, It's by uh, Mike Yankoski. Mike and a friend of his took a year uh, traveling around to four different locations and they became homeless willingly. They, they only, you know, they gave away their possessions and only brought with them um, a very minimal, you know, a guitar, I think. And, you know, what, uh, one yeah. change of clothing and uh the homeless are not what you think they are they really encountered a um uh, incredible uh number of a variety of stories that are unexpected and you're right it could you know this could be a family member uh you could have somebody that has been there or might be there in the future and uh, you would never expect it but this does happen even here in the land of the free and the home of the brave if you think about the subprime crisis in 2008 and the the reaction was the launch of Bitcoin, arguably, but that made about 30 million people homeless. So, you know, the banks, the governments, they've not addressed that. They've made it worse. And um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin has really saved the people that have been trodden on and the people that haven't got bank accounts and don't have the you know, the freedom to go out there and make something of themselves because they don't have, they're not in that position to do so. So what Big Love does, it really addresses all those issues. And because of the subprime crisis, we know, all of us talking on this conversation, that that particular thing was caused by the banks. The banks didn't care. They got bonused half a billion dollars for making 30 million people homeless, which is is just a, a disgrace to society. Well, Marco, uh, thank you so much for your time today. And Big Love, L-U-V is how it's spelled. BigLove.technology is the website. You guys can see a video there. There's a white paper. You can uh, sign up to learn more about the ICO. And uh, good luck spreading big love to uh, the world. Thank you very much, guys. And thanks for having me on your show. Mr. Joel Kahn, what do you think about our new format where we have the feature first and then we have our questions and comments and then the news? What do you think? It works for me. As long as we get to talk, the real question is, is what do you guys think? Write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com and let us know or go to badcryptopodcast.com and click on the contact us link like Stuart did. And Stuart wrote, loving the podcast, been listening since November, very new to crypto, fun being educated by all who live and come to Cryptopia. Stay bad. Stuart all the way from the UK. When Lambo, when Moon. Bad crypto voicemail. You have one new message. 
magical internet money. Stay bad, Denver. Hey, Travis and Joel, this is John. Are you at all concerned that there's just too many coins and tokens debuting on a daily basis? I hear about all these projects, and I'm fascinated by the world of startups and the different possibilities that could emerge with different companies. But at some point, don't we have to say enough is enough and that every new startup company in the blockchain space doesn't need its own monetization scheme and its own token or its own coin? I know. Sometimes it just seems like enough already. Do you ever feel that way? All right. Stay bad, guys. What do you think, Travis? I mean, we're still in the beginning of this whole blockchain thing. And I understand why people could feel a little overwhelmed by how many companies are using tokens. But when you think about how many companies are out there in the world, right, doing all kinds of different business, this is this is a drop in the bucket. Yeah, there's 19 million businesses in the U.S. last I checked. And you know what? How many different schools and universities are there? How many different organizations are there? When it's all said and done, every one of them can have their own token, right? Like imagine like, oh, you need to pay your school fees. You got to use your, you know, Shawnee Mission South token to be able to do that, right? And um, and so I think that I, I, we had a guest on, I don't know, was it was it Al Titcher who said that, that he thinks there'll be millions of different tokens out there when it's all said and done? Um, I don't recall who exactly said it, but I think that there will be thousands and thousands and thousands of tokens, uh, maybe someday upwards of a million different types of tokens, depending on how far in the future we're talking, because uh, digital money is is the the future of, of, of money. Right. So it, it's really is. It's magical. Internet money. I look at it like this, Mr. Travis Wright. As long as you can have a blockchain tokenized solution that improves on what it is you're trying to accomplish, then I have no problem. It's the ones that really don't serve a purpose, you know, the the, the real crap coins that aren't going to survive. But if you're using technology to innovate and improve, then I, there's no limit to what can be done. And now to the news. Good news from the United States Congress. That sounds oxymoronic. Not, not something that you get to say every day, is it? It's not something you get to say every day. We did actually, I believe you posted this originally in the Mastermind group. And guys, if you're not in the, if you're not in the Mastermind group, you miss out on a lot of really great stuff, right? So we, we post videos and live, we do lives in there, live videos and stuff. And we'll, we, a lot of this news we'll find and then we'll talk about it there first, which is kind of cool. So if you like news, this is one of the pieces that Mr. Joel Kahn had brought in there. So Congress released a massive joint report on the state of the economy. And I believe they do this every year. And uh, for the first time ever, they had an entire chapter that was dedicated to cryptocurrency. And I've read it. It's actually the very final chapter in this nine chapter uh, report. And, you know, they were I've read it and they were pretty bullish about a lot of the different things with uh, pertaining to crypto. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on it, Mr. Jokom? I'm just I'm a fan when any, you know, government says, hey, this, you know, they could be onto something here. And, you know, the fact that that it says here um, in this report, cryptocurrencies could outshine government fiat like, wow, that's 
that's a pretty strong admission right there. They recognize that blockchain is secure and efficient. They recognize how it's transforming different industries. So this is worthy of uh, of a read. If this is the type of thing that interests you, we're linking to uh, the story in the show notes and worth checking out. Yeah, the uh, the whole page it's about twenty seven pages, but it's a really quick it's a really quick read. Uh, if, if you're interested in if you are a U.S. citizen and you're interested in what people are talking about around crypto, uh, you might want to check it out. This story from uh, CNBC. So Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary, told CNBC that he's working on a deal to allow a very prestigious brand hotel in New York to sell ownership in the company through a $400 million cryptocurrency offering, an ICO. So this is interesting. Uh, $400 million in coin for a real asset. And they're not disclosing what the name of the hotel is yet. They're under NDA. Um, but basically, they're um, they're selling a third of this hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should watch the video. It's, it's pretty fascinating because he's all in on these asset-based uh, asset coins, crypto. And he thinks they're going to replace small cap stocks in the future where you, know, you can trade these coins back and forth and, and sort of eliminate – a lot of the Wall Street middlemen. There's a lot of conversations going on right now about is crypto, according to the IRS, is a property? Is it according to the SEC? Is it a, is it a security? Is it according to the CFTC? Is it a commodity? A judge just ruled that it was a commodity, and and so this right here, uh, instead of a stock or a share, this this coin is basically a smart contract that is approved by the SEC. So you will be able to be an owner of a third of that hotel. Uh, he said, if that works, it'll be the first of its kind. Now, we did have Law Token on the show, mm-hmm. um, you know, several months ago. And they're kind of doing asset-based kind of things where they're taking real estate and being able to do this stuff as well and, and shares of different companies. But uh, so this is kind of a new thing. Yeah, he says that I'm a believer that asset-based coins will replace small cap stocks. Uh, he likes that ICOs backed by real assets allow companies to circumvent Wall Street middlemen. You know, you don't need investment bakers and venture capitalists. You could sell directly. And, and so that's why we're watching this unfold. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, also fascinating is Charlie Lee's latest tweet. Charlie Lee, back in the news on Twitter, he uh, a couple months ago posted one down, three to go in terms of the things that a Litecoin was going to be unleashing. And they're checking another box off right now. They have a merchant processor, Commerce CB, making accepting cryptocurrency payments easier than ever. And so uh, Charlie, you know, comes out and and says, uh, this is uh, this is big news for Litecoin. Yeah, and they're they're having a whole exchange. Abra, I believe, is a whole exchange that's going to run on Litecoin. So I guess maybe instead of you know all these coins being tethered to Bitcoin as sort of the global reserve crypto, there's more and more kind of maybe untethering from the big massive giant. So kind of interesting that there's going to be a whole exchange that is being run powered by Litecoin, and Litecoin's only like a hundred and something dollars right now. Still to come, uh, not yet checked off on his list, is a popular online wallet and a goods trading platform. So we'll watch for that coming out of a Litecoin HQ, if there were such a thing. Yeah. So uh, from Coindesk, 
Here's a here's a great piece. Waking Dragon Asia's token economy is charging full speed ahead. And so in in China, you know, there's there's been a, a lot of chats about regulations and all this other stuff that's been going on and they banned ICOs and you know, it's it's the crypto winter over there. But in fact, you know, China's tokenomics movement appears to be in good health currently. And um, there's some some stuff that's 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 going on. They say that's actually since they banned it, there's been an actually an increase tenfold in uh, in activities around around these cryptos since then, which is crazy. Well, and, and what China has banned, Japan has embraced says uh, Mike Kayamori, CEO at Coin. They're an exchange group and regulated ICO platform. And so, you know, um, different countries in Asia are looking at this whole crypto thing differently. And uh, the story goes on to say that Japan also is having growing pains. And there are some that are applying for to do their ICO and uh, they've slowed things down a little bit. But uh, this guy predicts that by June, the government's going to let it flow once again. I guess they just need to work through a backlog or something. Yeah, well, whenever that coin check site got hacked, right, uh, that happened earlier this year. And then Mt. Gox in 2014, I mean, there's 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 definitely some some guidelines in place, but they're they're loosening it up. I mean, they're letting crypto sort of self-regulate and work itself out, which uh, which is good. You know, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, if you listen to the David Drake uh, episode previously, he talks about why regulation is such a good thing. I think, well, it's also, it's like, well, and if it isn't regulated or if it is regulated and you don't like the regulations, then we'll need a petition to change the regulations. So, you know, hopefully uh, America uh, lets it all work out as well. So first, Facebook banned ICO related ads and now Google is banning all ads related to crypto products starting in June and crypto markets took a, a, a dip because of that but they are disallowing ads for cryptos and related contents which includes ICOs, crypto exchanges, crypto wallets and crypto trading advice. I wonder if we could advertise cuz we're none of well, we're crypto related business so probably not. I know that we cannot on Facebook now. I tried to uh, promote the John McAfee interview, which has nothing to do with the promotion of ICOs, except John McAfee's pretty heavily promotes ICOs, uh, right? So um, was not able to do that. I know that Twitter is in discussions as well to ban uh, ads. So what are the cryptos to do? They just don't want to deal with it. Well, you know what? Here's the thing is that if they, if they are, it's one of the things is that if um, they're promoting something that uh, is, is viewed as a security by the SEC, they might be able, they might get in trouble. So, yeah, maybe they're protecting their assets or maybe there's an agenda to, to try to eliminate conversations around uh, crypto. Perhaps. But uh, speaking of Twitter, Jack Dorsey who I really don't respect a whole lot. Um, CEO of Twitter says Bitcoin will be world's single currency one day. So, you know, at least he's got that right. He's he's uh, not done well by Twitter, in my opinion, for many years. But um, whether it's the only currency that'll be, he, I don't know that I agree well, with that. Well, he's also the... Um, you know, CEO and founder of Square, which is a which is a fintech company that allows people to sort of you know plug in their plug in a um, 
a little dongle into their phone so they can swipe and take credit cards. That's been that's been pretty good. Now, I guess Square is now offering their Bitcoin service in Wyoming because of, of how Wyoming is very friendly to crypto. And uh, they're also looking for a bit license in in New York. And I believe that also I read that New York is is that there, there's some conversations about eliminating the bit license because that was one of the things was that, you know, they, they had all these things that was going in New York. They didn't like it. They created the bit license. And then since then, there's only been like a couple of companies that's actually been awarded a bit license. So that was that was interesting. They're thinking of doing away with the bit license because guess what? It seems to kill innovation, Mr. Jokom. Imagine that. Well, Jack is putting his money where his mouth is. He is uh, raised two and a half million dollars in seed funding. Uh, well, he he's contributed part of it for Lightning Labs, and their goal is to supercharge blockchain transactions. Supercharge. Supercharge. I guess it works off the Lightning mm-hmm. Network. Yeah, it works off the Lightning Network. And, you know, Litecoin utilizes it. And now Bitcoin has implemented it. I don't know that it's fully rolling out on, on Bitcoin. Once it gets fully rolled out on Bitcoin and they start making those transactions really fast, again, I think that's when we'll probably see Bitcoin start increasing up in price because once we saw the price of Bitcoin go up, all these transactions were happening. It clogged it and they the the transaction fees were really high and so you know lightning uh, the lightning network solves a lot of that super fast and super fly and that takes us through the current news and and actually brings us to the very sad end of this episode oh it's over we, we did, did. It. we we've uh, episode number what is this 103 plus all of our other episodes it was funny uh uh ronnie mo asked he messaged me and he goes uh he goes, what do you mean? You have 130 something episodes. You say that's episode 100. And he goes, he goes, I have, he goes, and then he followed me on Twitter, my personal account. He goes, you are technically um, my, my 1000th follower, but we actually use, I use the same math that you guys do to number your shows. So you're actually 1140. So he was funny. Cracking a joke. <laughs> Mr. Ronnie Moat, shout out to you. I will have that Ronnie back on the show soon and thanks to all y'all for listening that's all y'all that's how they say it in the south there's y'all and then there's all y'all and that's all y'all uh please take a moment to review us we would appreciate if you would do that on itunes or on the google play store or in facebook uh, it will make us to smile and have big grins on our face and uh, we'll catch you next time we'll catch you again on the next episode of the bad crypto podcast and until then stay bad The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.